0: Welcome to Between the Vines. My name is Kevin Martin. We're here with you with an update from our most recent coffee pot meeting, our last virtual coffee pot meeting of the season. We had a special guest, Dr. Terry Bates, and uh, Brian had joined us as well. So we got uh, updates on the efficient vineyard work and crop estimation and how efficient vineyard uh, technology is aiding crop estimation and thinning. We also got some updates on, for you today on disease management in this very late stage of disease management in uh, juice grapes. I uh, touched a little bit on wine grapes as well. We're seeing a lot of different things and more on that in just a few minutes. Thank you all for joining us. Um, happy to bring this to you. And next week, since we do not have a coffee pot meeting, we will be back uh, with the, with the Erie Regional Grape Program team to provide a regular weekly update. But for now, I'm gonna turn it over to the coffee pot and uh, hopefully you uh, get the information you need from this. We we are happy to bring it to you. So thanks a lot.
1: When you do your crop estimation, use the crop estimation chart and we try to like use fresh berry weight to predict what the final crop size is gonna be and all that crop estimation stuff we've been doing for a long time. Yeah, when you're in the say five ton per acre to 11, 12 ton per acre. It it seems to be very accurate, you know, like, oh, I thought I was gonna have 11 and a half tons per acre. And and I do, Um, the better we get at sampling in the vineyard, say using spatial soil data or NDVI or something to, to, to make sure that our samples are representative of the vineyard, the better we get at sampling, the better our crop estimate is the better we are at predicting final berry weight based on what our berry weight is now and looking at the berry curve, the better we get a crop estimate. So that the more experience we get, the better we get, the more accurate it gets. And again, when you're in the five to 12, it seems to be very, works very well. We get into this, what happens when I have estimates that are 15 or more and what do I do does it really turn out to be 15? So, so I go back, go back to like the late 90s where we had very similar situation. We did some work with Mike Furcant and John Bovee, same deal. Crop estimates were really high. We did stuff like, you know, not only did we thin at different levels, but we thinned once, or we thinned twice, or we zonal thinned, and and again, the bottom line is you take off some crop, and you you know you de-stress those vines, the bricks go up, and you get a better return crop the next year. The actual estimate seems to fall apart when you get you know oh I have 18 tons per acre, is it going to turn out to be 18 tons per acre? And it usually doesn't. Part of that is berry weight, but that doesn't it doesn't explain everything. So. If I have an estimate that's 18 tons per acre, my berries are probably small now, and they're going to be small later. If I have 18 tons per acre and the berries are big now, the berries are probably going to be big later. That the berry growth curve thing seems to hold steady because it, it kind of has a lot more to do with like cell division prior to bloom. I mean, there's other physiology stuff going on. Um. So it's not all berry weight. I think what happens is if I'm hanging 18 tons per acre, the vine is stressed out. So it's nutrient stress. It's water stressed. It's, it knows it's hanging. I mean, there's physiology things going on. You have all those berries developing and all those seeds developing. And so there's a hormone balance that's going on in the vine as well. So I think you get some natural shelling that happens when your crop size is that big. yeah so think about it (laughs) think about it from the not from a commercial standpoint but just from the uh the biology of the adaptive uh nature of the vine right so concords are native to this area they're native to native to northeast um north america and you know it knows it gets so many growing degree days, you know, so many, we have 180 frosty days, you know, sunlight, it's built for this environment. So if it knows it can't ripen that crop, if there's probably some, some physiological adaptations that, oh, I have 18 tons per acre here, I'm going to drop some fruit myself. <laughs> um, so I think that kind of happens over the course of the season. So it's like, why don't I see all this fruit on the ground? Cause I think the fruit falls and it dries up. And... So what you think is 18 ends up being 15. Having said that 15 is probably still too much. So what do you, I mean, I think the big picture is holy <laughs> crap. I have 18 tons breaker. What do I do about it? And you, you out there with the machine, you shake the vines a little, don't beat them up. You're probably going to take off two tons per acre. That's probably going to turn into four tons per acre. And then you're going to be, you're going to do yourself some good. I just had this conversation with a grower yesterday. It's like, how do I do this? I'm like, you don't have to shake them very hard to get fruit to fall off at this point. They're 75% of their final weight and it's a lot of fruit. You just kind of grab that vine, you know, with your harvester and shake it. So, so
2: the bottom line is you've got that big crops that you're 16 or whatever you have to go out at least and thin i mean you have to thin i mean if you're getting those numbers what about if guys would you suggest maybe thinning twice or would that beat the vines up too much or the second time you don't get that much off i mean would you would you go as far
1: as saying thin twice uh saying my internet connection is unstable. So if I drop, (laughs) Uh, so we've done that and it didn't matter. So say we were trying to take off four tons per acre and we either did it in one pass or we tried to take off two tons per acre and we came back a week later and tried to take off another two. It really didn't matter. Uh, My suggestion is again, if your crop is that big set your harvester up, don't slap at the, the canopy That's the old Chisholm riders slap the canopy. That's no good. So set up, you know, your harvester where it shakes the canopy, grip it and shake it. And and you don't, you can use low rates at this point, right? We get into canopy damage when you're shaking the bloody heck out of the vines. So there's a lot of mass. You don't have to shake it very much to get that mass to come off. Um, So, so again, yeah, shake some off. I do it once. We're getting late in the game. And and again, the berries are 75% of their final weight. So there's, again, there's more mass out there. You don't have to shake them that hard and beat the canopy up to get some to come off.
3: Terry, I I had just a quick question about using stylet oil. Do you think it's too late at this point? Uh, You know, thinking of the physiology of the vine and how it might shut down photosynthesis and
1: <clears throat> that's a question for you, not a question for me.
3: <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, you know, from what we know about, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going off of what Wayne did basically. And that, that was you get close to verizon you better lay off the stuff. And I just wondered if you had anything different to say about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we did some of the gas exchange measurements for him when he was doing that. And yeah, I mean, he, I would agree with that statement. I mean, it, yeah. you're going to yeah. need all that photosynthesis from verasion to harvest.
3: I just needed confirmation on
1: that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, you're spraying oil on the leaves mm-hmm. and that's plugging up the stomates, which are doing all the gas exchange. And, you know, it's like having the air intake on your car and you suddenly plug it up with a bunch of dust. It's your engine's not going to run very well. The thing is, Don't you love when- my analogies.
2: When are we shooting? When are we going to hit Versian
1: rough? Oh. 69 days after Bloom. What was that? What's that gonna be? Who's who's got a calendar that can do it <laughs> quick for
4: me?
2: <laughs> Jen or Kevin.
4: I'm sorry, I just checked back in. I have construction going on at my house and I smelled smoke, so I needed to run away really quick to check it out. So I have no idea what you just talked about. What was Bloom Day? <laughs> hey,
1: I, I see Kate's online. Kate, grab your calendar. Bloom was on what June 7th count up 69 days be August, what August 15th, Ooh, 15th
0: or something. Scary. That'd be the 15th. That's 15th.
1: yeah, 15 to hey, how about that? August 15th. So, okay, given our physiology and it's Concord, all varieties are different, but Concord, the average, it's 69 days from bloom to veraison. If it is uh, very dry and the, the vines are water stressed, that can kick off a little early. And that's not the situation this year. If the vines are like just totally pumped up with water and the berry weight's big, it could be a little late which I might lean towards that. So it should be the 15th. If I had a guess, it'd be 15th or maybe a day or two later. Uh, although like Marquette, somebody was showing Marquette just-
4: Yesterday, full like, Verision
1: Verision was early, so I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong.
2: <laughs> okay, with that, Tara, let's get back to the stylet. All right, so Beragian is the 15th, so that's a little over two weeks. If you put the stylet on, approximately how many, I mean, roughly, how long do you think that would shut the vines down? And would that? Okay, it probably depends on the rate of the
1: oil. Yeah. But,
2: I mean, would you expect it to shut it down anymore more? maybe three or four days?
1: No, 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 no. It'll come back. And then when it gets re- washed off. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so when August 15th hits, you should be fully functional and better hope that those first two, we- that's the, the point is that if we hit Verasion earlier, the statistical chances that the two weeks after the f- August 15th are really nice. Like we don't get a hurricane that comes up the coast and it's cloudy and wet and cold that usually from August 15th to September 1st is probably the nicest two weeks of the year. And that's where you you get between 50 to 60% of your fruit ripening in those first two weeks. It's like you're running a race and you sprint the first two laps. So all our
2: problems will probably be solved. If the guys with those big crops, thin at least once, and we get, perfect weather during those two weeks. Oh, of
1: course. Probably all, everybody will make it in. Everybody needs good weather the first two weeks after veraison. The problem is if we have poor weather and you're hanging that big crop, you know, you're, you're going to be picking late.
4: <laughs> so Terry, what happens if you you get to that point, we have really poor weather, you know you've pushed your vines too late to thin at that time, right?
1: <sighs> yes. So a long time ago, <laughs> we did a timing of thinning. So we did it at like 20 days, 30 days, 50 days, 70 days, which is verasion. So that many days after bloom. And then we waited two weeks post verasion, and we thinned. And you couldn't catch up at that point. So as from the standpoint of fruit ripening, as long as you thin before verasion, you can get a nice bricks response. If you wait until after various, those first two weeks are so important. And if you if you're hanging a big crop in those first two weeks and then you decide your thing, it's gonna take you eight weeks to catch up. And the seasons, it's snowing by then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Along
2: those same lines, to you know, and this I think has to go back more with when the guys are really slapping the heck out of the vines with the chisholm chisholm riders yeah you know they complained a lot of times that well you know my vines shut down for you know this is what they my vines would shut down after this for a bit and is that worse than me taking that crop off is that the same case i wouldn't expect it to be with say doing it like you said the easier not slapping the heck out of them and beating them up or do they yeah. still shut down
1: Okay, so yeah, we looked at that too, (laughs) and uh, and it was with a Chisholm rider, but it was where the the they were whatever synchronous, not asynchronous, uh, set up. So we actually measured gas exchange like on a leaf and measuring doing full hundred percent photosynthesis. the The Chisholm rider went over, shook the vines, the fruit fell off. I clipped back onto that same leaf after the machine went by, and you could watch the rate of photosynthesis in that leaf go down for like an entire three minutes. And then it came right back up okay. to 100%. <laughs> now, that's not to say if somebody has their machine set up wrong or they're hitting the vines too hard and you start breaking a lot of green shoots, then yeah. Well, now you've broken the shoot and the whole, there's going to be no photosynthesis going on anymore. So you, you, I mean, there's some common sense you go and you thin a couple rows and you look at it and you're like, the thing is just beat uh It looks like you hit it with, you know, I don't know, baseball bats or something. Yeah. Then that's not, not any good. You you should, when you're done thinning, look back at the row and yeah, you're going to, some leaves are going to be flagged over a little bit, but you know, you shouldn't see major damage, um, and 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 as you said, with a lot of the new harvesters, the Oxbows, the the um, the Gregoirs, where you can like tighten up the headspace, and you can everything is just you're kind of gripping the vine and shaking it back and forth, and not slapping at it. Sometimes you can't even tell what what row you've been over.
4: Sherry, do you think that's also the case of, I've heard a lot of growers say, when I have fruit thinned, they're drier berries. If they're not as juicy, you can hear them tanking in. Do you think that's the yeah. aggressive shaking may have been uh, a vascular thing? Yeah, so
1: <laughs> I know the comment and we, <laughs> we did research on this too, uh, <laughs> where we had thin, let's see, we had rose that were unthinned, rows that were machine thinned, and rows that were hand thinned, cluster thin. And at harvest time, we took um, five gallon buckets. And as we picked those rows, we put the five gallon buckets under the chute and collected the fruit in the bucket. And we put lids on those buckets, poke holes in them, flipped them upside down and measured the free run juice that came out of all those buckets. And it didn't matter. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying in our trials, we have not been able to replicate it or observe it that, that we got drier berries. Um, there, I, I think it has more to do if we want to get into a big discussion about crop load and crop load management. I tend to hear that comment. I hear the comment, we did some thinning, it didn't work, and the berries were drier. That it, at, there, it <laughs> there's a point where your vines are so big that if you're hanging 12 tons per acre, they're not overcropped. And if you thin them, you don't see a response because you took, an, you know, a, say a balanced vine and you undercropped it. Where we see a benefit to the thinning response is if a vine is overcropped, and you thin it and balance it, and then you you see a real positive response. You kind of gotta kind of understand crop load and where you are. And um, so I would encourage everyone to watch the video I posted, or if Jen could share that.
4: We have it the, actually queued that we were gonna show. Yeah, so anything. the variable rate
1: fruit thinning, and you know, there's there's a chart in there that shows vine size, the yield response, and then where you wanna be to be balanced. And if you have three-pound vines at 11 tons per acre, they're probably balanced. If you have a two-pound vine at 11 tons per acre, it's overcropped. And if you have a one-pound vine that's showing 11 tons per acre, you're way overcropped. And it shows you how much you should thin for each of those scenarios. And the I thinned and I didn't see a response usually comes from the guys who have three and four-pound vines and they were already balanced. They need to thin they
0: thought they me. had to to get their bricks up. Thank you. Maybe it's not possible, but, but have you ever observed the opposite where you have like, I don't know, a 10 ton crop on a half pound vine and they thin it, if it's thin down to eight, I would assume there's a response, but maybe it's not as observable because it's still so
1: overcrowded. No, you should no. still see a response. So okay. we, yeah, we just published a paper in American Journal of Enology and Viticulture on eleven years of thinning, and yeah, when you're when you're overcropped, whether you're a little overcropped or a lot overcropped, if you thin some, you're going to see a
0: response. Okay. Yeah, I mean the only other thing I could imagine, and I, I know I've seen it. So we know how to thin Concord. Um, we were doing, Jody Pressup-Gee was doing a berry curve in different hybrids. Yeah. And there was a hybrid that got thinned. And so we know, I guess we don't know the berries were less juicy, but we know that the <laughs> ones that were thinned stopped growing, at least on, on average. Mm. So, so berry size no longer increased after thinning. And when you went and looked at it, it was because the berries were damaged. It, it almost okay. looked like hail okay. damage, oh. yeah. <laughs> but, but that was a hybrid where you, there was a, you know, significant observable damage and mm-hmm. it cut berry size about in half to thin it. Um, so I could see you doing something minor like that and conquer less dramatic. If, if maybe your machine wasn't set up right, or you were using a Mecca to thin or something like that, but I don't know. Do you want me to show that video? That, yeah, we were sure. going to because yeah, we you were going to be here, so we were going to show it for sure. But if it'll if it'll play over Zoom without it, being, it, really I'll give it a try. Somebody can wave their arms or something if it's not playing right, because it'll look great on my end. Hey Bob, do you want to say something before I do that? Because I got to get it set up. Yes, I yes I do. Terry, you ought to make a comment about um, when
3: you're thinning like two tons of to the acre and think you're doing something you got to take three tons of the acre off to get a point difference in sugar. So unless you take five or six ton off, you, uh, the source response in your sugar quality that like a ton and a half, two tons of the acre coming off isn't going to be doing much for your sugar.
1: Yes, thanks yeah. Bob. Yeah, uh, so. I think I think our general rule of thumb is two and a half tons is a brick. So on warmer, drier years, it's more like two tons will give us a bricks difference. And and in wet years, because the berry weight's bigger, it's more like three tons that you take off to get a bricks difference. So kind of like that middle of the road is, you know, consider taking off two and a half tons to get one degree bricks difference.
4: So with that information have to you would have to know your previous yields and bricks information, right? Cuz you don't have any idea what the bricks is when you're crop estimating. Right. So okay. But
2: but really it would all go back to Terry like you said. You, you you've got to know the history of your block and what that block can can ripen in other words if i've got a 10 ton block and i consistently can get that ripened then like you said then there's no reason to thin if you've got 10 tons but you have to know that history whereas
1: if if i've got a block yeah i worry i worry about the opposite if I have a, a vineyard that's a little weak and I know, yeah, you know, it's running about five tons per acre. And if I run it at eight, it hurts it for like two, three years. Well, this year it's got 11. I think I'm gonna let it ride. Well, don't expect anything good to happen when you do that.
2: <laughs> right.
1: Uh, you kind of got to know, oh, my vine size is low in this vineyard. To balance that that crop, I'm gonna have to do this. Then I make my economic decision on, well, if I don't thin it, you know, I'm going to expect, you know, I'm going to let it ride this year. I'm going to expect lower returns next year.
2: But see, that's where a lot of
1: guys, they, it's only in a year
2: when there's a heavy crop that they decide to, to crop estimate. And yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, they don't really know the history of that block and how much they can ripen a lot of times. So that's, so every year they should at least be estimated.
1: Yeah, that's why I stand up at the winter conference every year and I say, crop estimate. I don't care if you thin or not. I don't care if you prune or not. I really don't care. But, you know, help yourself out and at least know what your crop estimate is. And maybe, you know, follow some of the stuff that we're doing with spatial data to make your crop estimate better so you have a history of that vineyard. And whether you make that decision or not based on your economics is is up to you. But don't go into it blind.
0: All right, so I don't know if your video is going to I, I'm going to try, but I just wanted to make sure. If it doesn't work, everybody knows how to get get there. So this is the Efficient Vineyard website, EfficientVineyard.com, and under the Vit Blog there is a uh, a newish video, just a couple of weeks old, variable rate fruit thinning for concord Concord crop load balance. So I click that Vit Blog, and now First I'm headed one. to this article, and here is the video.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Terry Bates of the Cornell Lake Erie Research and Extension Lab. And today we're talking about variable rate fruit thinning in Concord vineyards. So this week we went out and we wanted to do some variable rate fruit thinning. Um, and I wanted to walk you through our kind of our workflow on how we did this. Uh, so the first thing you want to do is you want to collect some observations about your vineyard um, that can be done in a very low tech way where you, as a grower, uh go out and, and observe your vineyard and make recordings you can do that with the my ev app um or you can do something a little bit more high tech and go out with sensors um, in this case we use NDVI sensors uh placed at a part of the canopy where I thought I could see differences in very strong growth versus very weak growth in the canopy and map those two. so Whether I use my own observations or use a sensor, I I have two um, pretty similar maps where I'm picking out where the strong vines are and the weak vines are, and I'll be using that for both my crop estimation and then my decision on how much fruit to thin. So in one of the blocks that we have where we wanted to do the variable rate fruit thinning is the Martin East block. And when you go out and make some observations, you see that in the red zone, We have very small vines, and so for for sake of argument, I'm going to say there are one-pound vines. I won't know for sure until the end of the season when we collect pruning weights, but they look pretty small. So I would say there are one-pound vines in the green area. Uh, We have two-pound vines. I basically rated that by saying if I have a a pretty full canopy, uh, but it's not growing all the way to the ground, I can see through to the other row on the other side um, of that vineyard row then I would consider that about a two pound vine. Or if I have this big lush canopy, full canopy, uh, shoots grow all the way to the ground, I can't see the row next to me, I'm gonna call that a three pound vine. And and basically what that is saying is that I know that a three pound vine with that big canopy can ripen a larger crop than the one pound, small canopy vine. Uh, So then I go out and do my crop estimation. Uh, And really there's, to me, there's two components to this. One is you want to get the best possible sample and again we do that by stratifying our samples based on some other observation about vine health or soil type um, that's in that vineyard so I stratify those samples. And then i use the concord fresh berry curve to predict where i am right now with crop size and what it's going to be at harvest time so then i can predict out what my final crop size is going to be and you can use this table that we've been using since 2003 which is based on the average berry curve for concord in the lake erie region uh when we were out we did some uh crop estimation at exactly 30 days after bloom so we're using 50 percent of the final berry weight the other day when we were doing our variable rate fruit thinning, we were somewhere between 55 and 60% of final berry weight when we were, when we were actually doing this. So uh, we use this information and we do our crop estimate. And the crop estimate for us in this Martin East block showed that the small vines were uh, somewhere between eight and nine tons per acre. The green vines were 10 to 11 tons per acre and the blue vines were 12 to 13 tons per acre. Uh, and so where do I want those to be? So based on our Concord crop load model, I want balanced vines. And to me, the definition of balanced vine is that I am going to reach 16 bricks by the second week of the harvest season, and I am not, neither gonna gain or lose pruning weight. So my vine capacity is basically gonna stay the same. If I want my vine capacity to increase, I need to undercrop those vines. Conversely, overcropped vines are going to lose pruning weight and lose crop potential for the next season. So when I look at my three zones, I'm seeing my three pound vines are running about you know 12 tons per acre. Um, you know, according to our model, they're they're probably balanced. I don't have to take any fruit off of those. Uh, i'm a little concerned at 12 tons per acre so i i'm, I'm going to take a little bit of crop off of that anyways and for the sake of showing some variable rate fruit thinning i want to take a little bit off so say 10 percent of that crop is going to come off the blue zone in the green zone uh, i'm running that 11 10 to 11 tons per acre to be balanced i probably want to be somewhere around eight or nine uh, tons per acre so i'm going to set up my machine to take off about 25 percent of the crop and then in those small vines uh they're really stressed out the, you know the, the amount of crop that's there is too much for what that canopy can ripen so i want to take off even more crops so say 40 percent of that crop i know that's a lot of crop to take off and people don't feel comfortable doing that but it's only a small portion of my vineyard and i really want to help those vines so taking off 40 percent of the crop I, is really not i'm not too worried about it i'm just going to go ahead and shake some of that fruit off and, uh, and try to strengthen those
5: vines. Okay, so this is the Oxbow 6030 multifunction harvester that we have here at the lab. Uh, what we're doing is we're using Ag Leader technology to control the head. So we've got two options. We have standard Oxbow or standard grape harvester function where you set a head RPM and you drive. Uh, what we've done is we've integrated the Ag Leader system into the Oxbow system so that we can control the head speed with a prescription map. As we go across the vineyard, according to our prescription rate for that particular spot, it will increase or decrease our head speed as we go. So a couple components that we have, um, we're using the, the stock head RPM pickup for the head speed, the stock PWM valve that is on the harvester. Basically we unplug the oxbow side, we plug in the ag leader side, and with some programming and away we go.
1: So the first thing we wanted to do here was set up our prescription map to take off different amount of fruit going across a vineyard row. So we sacrificed a row and we started off here shaking the vines very lightly um, just to see how much fruit would have. So at at the lowest rate, we weren't taking off any fruit. And then as we increased our gallons per acre or our RPMs of the shaker head speed uh, Would take off more and more fruit. So at about 500 GPA, we're taking off 50% of the fruit. Then we're taking off 70% of the fruit, uh, up to the point where we're clean stripping those vines to see how much crop was there, and we use that rate response to inform us of what how we want to set up the machine to take off our 10 or 25% or 40% of our crop. So given we sacrificed that one row, we looked at different rates how much fruit came off and then I can take those rates and apply them to my management so um, and do that variable rate so we take those numbers we plug them into the ag leader system uh, so that I'm taking off the right amount of fruit in each zone and once that's plugged in then Andy can drive the rows, and it'll fruit thin variable rate on the fly. And what we're doing in this Martin East block is that we thinned the even rows uh, based on our variable rate prescription map and the odd rows we left alone. So at harvest time, we're going to be able to exactly tell what was the effect of our variable rate thinning versus um, a nearly identical vineyard, every other row that was unthinned. And then we can also measure our return crop um, that we're going to get
4: off this vineyard next year. That's a great video, Terry. Clear as mud. Clear as mud.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't go so far as to say clear as mud. But if you do want to watch it again, hopefully you notice the efficientvineyard.com and the vit blog blog post so you can get back there. And there's some other posts there as well. So um, so that will be there for the good of all time. And there's a, there's a fairly good chance we use these uh, coffee pot meetings as our podcast. So you'll see it um, in, in the middle of this podcast as well, both in the audio version and your, and your smart device, or, um, uh, we also post the video on our website, largp.com. So it'll be all over the place.
1: I don't think the, I think the variable rate part of it is maybe a little like, you know, we're trying to do stuff in research that maybe you're going to be doing in five years. Uh, but I think the the, the thought process of, oh, how do I evaluate my vineyard to make a decision on how much I should thin um, is probably more pertinent to like what's happening right now.
0: Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a little difficult, or I guess I'm imagining we never had experience with it or you never did in research. It, for you to try to jump in and do variable rate thinning without doing some more robust um, sampling and following, you know, getting some NDVI information over the course of a couple of years and strategically sampling based on the results of some spatial data. I think that's a great place to start before you invest in, in variable rate harvesting that allows you to thin. I I, I guess if you can learn it all fast enough in a year like this, it would probably pay for itself really quickly. Um, That's probably the activity that's easiest to justify in terms of how quickly it can pay for itself because thinning, better is is much more profitable because you're maximizing your crop load spatially rather than in a block. So you get more fruit uh, for what is essentially a similar crop load. Um, so in that sense, it's great to jump in fast, but if you screw that up, then obviously uh, you don't gain anything. So, so the best way to learn, I think, is to, to start with some of the sampling processes.
1: I mean, I, I think that example, you know, we had our red, green, and blue zone. I mean, for right now, a lot of growers can think about those as individual vineyard blocks. I mean, Bob Betts has probably got the most experience with it by saying, oh, this is a strong block. I don't, don't need to thin it as much. Here's a weak block, and I, I need to turn up my machine to take more off. We're just trying to kind of do it all automatically. But again, the, the concept is the same about trying to match your crop size with your vine health,
4: And just suggest going out there and trying a strip just to see how much you're taking off. Like, cause I've had that question coming in from growers, well, how do I know how much to take off and take a small row and practice on it? What would you suggest?
1: I'll let if Bob Betts will jump back on the line. <laughs> I Bob's the one who said to me that you should do a little bit of thinning every year, just so you gain experience with it, even if you, you need it or you don't need it. It's just so that you don't get you don't get caught with your pants down on a year when you do need to thin. <laughs> exactly,
0: Terry. Does anybody have any? Um... We haven't heard a lot from you guys. So if you guys have any questions or stuff you've observed in your vineyard, um, please feel free to unmute. Let us know, we can have a discussion about it maybe. Um, It it does seem like there's a lot of variability going around in terms of hail damage here and giant crops over there. So um, anything you guys are concerned about, I know it's cover crop season, it's time to be planting. Bob, you turned yellow like you were gonna talk.
4: <laughs> I was just gonna say the same thing.
3: Well, I just made a comment to Terry about exactly take a small block and try. And a year like this year, it's really tough to learn how to thin it when you have to thin. That's like you guys have been preaching for a month now about um, crop estimation and getting your feet wet in it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is it's, a, it's difficult, I think, from my perspective and for the grower, you know, you've got about 10 days to make some really important decisions and you also have to know how to, how to make them. And extension also can't always help with that because we we do see some big differences between harvesters and even, even in the same brand or color, you know, just the rods that you're running might make a big difference. So that's, I think, individual grower experience is, is really important with trying to figure out some of the nuts and bolts of actually how to take three ton off if that's what you're doing.
3: I always like the idea of it looks like a windstorm after you've thin it the leaves, some of the leaves are rolled over. there's mm-hmm. more damage than that that's too much.
0: It's a good way to
3: think about it.
4: Thanks, Bob.
1: You, Bob has a lot of experience also with like coming up with a fudge factor of I you know I'm taking off two tons per acre and you know I add 30 percent to that because of fruit that didn't fall or maybe some fruit that was damaged and so we're actually trying to get at that question this year with some of the work that so we've done some more thinning where we're using different rates going across paired rows again so essentially spatially two rows that would have the same kind of characteristics as it went down the row we're thinning them at different rates and at that at harvest we'll be able to see like if i say oh, i wanted to thin off two tons breaker row next to me is telling me it's probably more like three or four so i can try to come up with that
3: what is the budget process i look forward to seeing and you. And Terry, you've always said it's not an exact science. Yeah.
1: Which brings us right back full circle to Andy's question at the beginning. (laughs) A lot of this is all about, yeah, I'm about right. Maybe I'm a little heavy. Whoa, I have way too much crop. I need to do something about it. Is, you know, that (laughs) to, to me, that's the big, you know, all we have all these tools and everybody wants it to be very specific, but a lot of times it just comes down to those very general management decisions of doing what's best for the vineyard.
0: Thank you all for joining us. Um, We are going to continue to do some of these in the future. I am hopeful and expect that next year, most of our coffee pot meetings will be in person, but I do know that we've seen a lot of familiar faces and new faces by doing these virtual meetings the last couple of years. So we are not gonna discontinue it altogether. I would expect if all things go well, we'll have maybe, three or four of these next year, virtually, Mm -hmm. and um, the rest will be in person. Um, There is some discussions from about, you know, coming from Cornell and Penn State about how it may be different than that. So we'll see if it's not up to us. Um, But that that is our plan as sort of a a local regional program. That's what we intend to do. Um, If that seems crazy, you know, let us know, because we're obviously flexible about stuff like this. But um, we certainly want to know you know, if you're having issues attending in-person meetings in the future too. Um, if, you know, from what I've heard so far from growers, there there's kind of a bit of hunger for everyone to return to in-person stuff. But if you find yourself in a different camp, especially if it's unrelated to COVID, since I think, you know, a year is a long time. So hopefully a year from now, that's not part of the discussion. Uh, but if there's another reason, we do wanna hear that. Um, but certainly, you know, We will be doing a few of these, I think, probably forever.
4: I agree.
0: So thank you all for joining us.